0: Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast, and it is time for spring camp. We have hit one of uh, a few uh, landmarks on the way to the 2021 season. Spring camp gets underway coming up on the 23rd of March this Tuesday. Carolina kicks off uh, their first spring camp since of course 2019 because last year uh, the spring camp was canceled. Some really big storylines that we're going to have to talk about and uh, some position battles that we're also going to talk a little bit about as we go throughout uh, this edition of the podcast. We welcome in my co-host for these types of podcasts. All the on the field stuff. The guy that uh, helps us out through all that. It is Josh Marlowe and Buddy, buddy. Uh, how's it going? I know this is a tough day coming off of uh, the tournament loss for Carolina on the day of recording uh, the previous night, um, but uh, I, I think that this is at least something that's going to help pick up the spirits a little bit that you get to talk about. A football team that's coming in with some really lofty expectations this season.
1: Yeah, you know, the spirits are kind of low. Um, I am depressed. I spent my night arguing with Tar Heel fans and Facebook.
0: But you're right. Yeah, that's um, a bad habit that we've got to cut out. That's not not smart. Yeah. Not smart.
1: Um but you're right. Um as disappointing as the basketball season ended, we get to turn our attention to football for a little bit with Spring Camp coming starting up and uh We've said it all pretty much since the season ended last year. This is the most excited we're going to be for a season, probably since that 2010 season before everything with the NCAA happened. And I think it will be even more so this year because you've got Sam Howell at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, I think there's a lot of expectations for this team. And the good news is is that even though they've got a lot returning on the defense, there's still a lot we got to figure out about this offense. So it makes it for a very intriguing and interesting offseason – Watch why spring camp to be able to have it this year is so important for this team.
0: So as I mentioned, spring camp begins on Tuesday, March 23rd. It will conclude... Uh, with the spring game on April 24th, that'll be at 3 p.m. of course inside Keenan Stadium. There will, there are expected to be fans there as of right now. Um, again, you don't really know anything when it comes to COVID-19. It is unpredictable, so you never really know. Uh, but it looks like there are going to be some fans there. The game will also be broadcasted on ACC Network, so that's uh, that's a pretty big deal for Carolina because this is the first time. I believe since well, maybe Larry's first year that they've had a televised spring game. I do not remember the last time that they actually had a televised spring game, uh, so it's been a while. Um, but there are some storylines, as you mentioned, going in. We're going to try to kind of a- a- avoid the national storylines here because, I mean, those are obvious. Like, of course, people are going to be keeping an eye on this team nationally. Sam Howell for Heisman. Sa- Sam Howell for Caroline Heisman. Did is really a know? dark horse to
1: make the college football
0: playoff. There you go. And those um, we'll, we're going to talk about those so often when it comes to the preseason stuff, and when we we're going to go through, we're going to do our regular national circuit this year. Uh, when it comes to guys like Phil Steele, um, we'll have Brett Ciencia back on as well. So that'll we're going to talk a lot about that as we go throughout the offseason. But I think when you jump into spring camp. For Carolina fans, you're not really as focused on those storylines. Sam Howell is a guy that you know a lot about. He's pretty much entrenched at starting quarterback. I think more you're looking at what kind of reputation, repertoire can he build with the guys that he has around him because this is an offense that is going to have to replace a line. That's the first storyline that we're going to talk about here. This team a year ago was probably Carolina's best offense that they've ever had. I know that 2015 team had some really good numbers that they put up. It was a different team to judge because you had the running aspect of Marquise Williams uh, involved as well. But you look – I'm doing an article uh, about the position group, so if we're going to talk about a couple coming up here. But you, in, in the backfield, you're losing Javante Williams and Michael Carter who combined for 2,957 yards of total offense and 33 total touchdowns. In terms of the actual production that you're losing from those guys, when it comes to the total yards of offense, they combined for 45.3% of your total offense a year ago. And in terms of rushing, they provided you with 83.5% of your production. Now, part of that is mainly because of the fact that neither one of them played in the bowl game. If they would have played in the bowl game, that number would probably be even higher. Um, these guys were being compared to Reggie Bush and Lenda White at one point with what they were doing, the type of season that they were putting together, and they left their mark in that final game of the season with huge performances, both running for over 200 yards on the ground in the game against Miami. And you also have to replace Deami Brown, Daz Newsome at wide receiver, De'Ami back-to-back years over 1,000 yards receiving, um, pretty much became Sam Howell's go-to threat as his career progressed, especially later on into last year, Daz Newsome was kind of that that spark plug, the guy that it, you know at times when you needed him to step up, he would. Had a slow start to last year, but then really rounded into form and finished out, and with an extremely strong performance in the bowl game as well uh, against A uh, and M, or no, not. No, wasn't great in that game, but there were a couple games before that um, that he had some really great performances in, uh, mainly as the season got late. So When you look at this group that's around Sam Howell, uh, I think that there's still reason to be optimistic, but... I think that Carolina fans do have to at least acknowledge the fact that losing that production is not going to be easy to just replace in the snap of a finger.
1: Yeah, no. Last year, um, this was a run-first football team. That was when Carolina was at its best, when they could hand the ball off to either Javante Williams or Michael Carter. I think early on in the season, this will be a team that leans on the arm of Sam Howell, because you've got so much youth in the backfield, and you're bringing in the transfer in Ty Chandler from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I really love that move. But you saw those guys in the bowl game against AM. and m a was a top-five defense nationally. They were able to stop Carolina's running game. But I think that's why we're so focused on the growth of what this defense is going to do, because it feels like it's reversed, where last year the defense was playing catch-up to the offense. There's a very good chance this year that you, your offense could be playing catch-up to the defense while these guys – that you're because you're ingraining so many different guys on the perimeter um, and in that backfield. And if Carolina can't run the football – I'm not saying they got to run the ball like they did last year. They did last year and the running game was historic in so many right, different ways. Right, right. I'm not asking to have two 1,000-yard backs. But if they can't run the football consistently – I don't see this group of wide receivers being able to beat defenses like they've been able to the first two years with Sam Howell. And your offense maybe not be as efficient. But with that in mind, Phil Longo has proven to be a really good coordinator from the twenty to the twenty. It's worrying about what he does in the red zone where you have your problems, and he's gifted. With a lot of talent, there's no shortage of talent on the opposite side of the football for the Tar Heels. Right. So right. as long as those guys and hopefully we have a full, as close to normal offseason as you can get, they get as many reps, they get some yep. spring game action. You got a normal fall camp. You're confident with this coaching staff, they can coach the talent up that way. When they go to the Virginia Tech and start the season, they'll be ready to go.
0: Well, and a wide receiver, I think the big thing to note there, and the reason why I'm not as concerned as it seems like you, you are at the moment, um, which I still don't think is overly concerned saying that this is going to be a terrible unit or they're not going to be able to find guys. I think that the fact that you had some guys that got experience as the year went along, Chauffrey Brown was the, was the guy that really you know started early in the season seeing some reps, then he got Emory Simmons in there as the year went along as well. Those two guys on the outside will probably be the guys you're going to look at. Uh, you got, of course, Anton Green, who's still there. He's had some experience in his career. The main thing for him is, can he stay healthy? Uh, And then you've got some wild cards. You've got guys like Justin Olsen, who we saw play a little bit as the season went along. Played some significant reps in the bowl game. You've got some freshmen that are coming in as well that I really like. I think J.J. Jones is a guy that looks similar to what De'Ami Brown was as a recruit. So there are some guys that are coming in, like you said there's not a lack of talent. It's more of the concern, the natural concern that you have when you lose guys that played as much as De'Ami Brown and Daz Newsome did. Choffrey Brown, Emery Simmons, those guys got some reps as the season went along, mainly after Bo Corrales went down. But they didn't get as many reps as you'll probably see this year. I do think that's one of the things, and I don't know, maybe you agree with me, maybe you don't. I think that you will see a lot more rotation. You're going to see a lot of different guys that will get opportunities early on. I think Chaffrey uh, and and Emory Simmons, uh, as well as Josh Downs in the slot, who I think we'll talk about a little bit more in a minute, those will be your main guys. But I do think there will be a little bit more rotation than we've seen in the past, where in the past they've leaned on – Diami, Daz, and
1: Bo very heavily. I think if that's best case, I, th- I think as a Tar Heel fan, you want that. I think you want to have five or six guys you know can be productive in your passing game. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was nice having Diami Brown, and Daz, who some of the guys that you know could produce. But it's also easier to game plan to take away those guys a little bit more. If you got five or six guys that you can interchange at any possession or whatever it makes it tougher on the defense to slow you down um and i and so I, in that aspect I'm, i i only agree with you i think carolina needs that they
0: need well you they need, last year you They need production taking, depth right you weren't taking deami brown off the right last year. he was just too good of a receiver so you weren't going to take him off just so you'd have the depth um but yeah i mean I, I think you're right and i think there there are guys that are capable of doing that because as i mentioned you know we talked i i mentioned chopher brown Emory Simmons, more than likely one of those guys is not going to start because yeah. you're getting a veteran back. And I think this is one of the reasons why I think Carolina is still in really good shape because you've got some inexperience, some talented guys, but you've also you've got a leader in that, in that wide receiver group in Bo Corrales coming back. I think that's huge. You're getting a guy back that is a big red zone threat. You took a step forward last year as a team in the red zone. Now mainly that was because of how successful your running game was. But getting Bo Corrales back gives you that red zone threat back. Gives you a you usually reliable third down receiver as well that Sam Howell can go to. But mainly it gives you someone that Howell already has a pretty significant relationship with. He's you know, played in big games with Bo Corrales out there. Um, and so, so I think that's a reason to be confident there. I know me and you both very high on Josh Downs, especially after what we saw from him in the Orange Bowl. He was a team that, or he was a guy that was raved uh, on by the team last offseason season um, prior to the cancellation of spring camp. Pretty much, they thought with him as an early enrollee, he was going to come in and potentially challenge Daz Newsome for reps. Now, losing spring ball, I think, really hurt his chances to do that, but that should tell you what type of talent this young man is and what they think he can be uh, going forward. Let's go a little bit more into that backfield, though, because we've been talking about the wide receivers. You mentioned Ty Chandler comes in, veteran guy, ran for uh, 2,000 total yards of offense uh, in his time at Tennessee. Um, A guy that I mean, look, you know, Tennessee. It was just this is how they've been the last few years. It seems like they're indecisive. You know, you'll have guys that uh, end up coming in having really successful, uh, you know, starts to their career, exactly like he did, taking reps away uh, from a guy that we liked from watching, you know, from a distance of Tennessee in Josh Kelly, the running back who was there before him, but then ends up getting his reps taken away by a true freshman that they ultimately the staff says they like a little bit better, basically in Eric Gray. Uh, basically leading to him departing, Uh, and now he is going to be a part of Carolina's backfield. So I like the experience aspect there. I think Uh, When you watch him on on film, I think he's more relatable to uh, what what you saw this year from Michael Carter. Don't know if he's quite at the level of Michael Carter in terms of his back vision um, and his ability to put the foot in the ground, make cuts, Um, but I definitely think that he's going to bring you something uh, that you're going to need in your backfield, which is experience with a young group back there. I think the main thing when you talk about this young group is, who do you think is going to be the one that's going to emerge from this young group? Because we saw DJ Jones uh, for a little bit, saw him in the game against Western Carolina, ends up getting banged up, unfortunately, uh, leading to him not being able to play for Carolina in uh, the game against Miami uh, or in the bowl game. Uh, So... You know what? What do you think about that group back there? I know Elijah Green's back there as well. Caleb Hood coming in, uh, the former uh, legacy of, of Errol Hood. Uh, so. I mean, is there a guy that really stands out for you back there?
1: I, I think I think Caleb Hood has the potential to maybe make a name as a, as a true freshman on this football team. I don't know if Carolina's going to have that one running back that they count on. I think this will be a rotation, mm-hmm. and I know that can be very frustrating because we saw Larry Fedora try to do that, and it just never really worked. But I do think a lot with the wide receivers, you feel like you've got three or four guys that can give you production, and I think you're going to need that. If I had to pick one of any of them, I'd probably maybe go Josh Henderson. He's a little bit bigger. Yep. Um, he's got a little bit more weight on him, um, and I think you know. The last thing about Carolina's running game last year was that it was so dynamic in in between the tackles. And I think if Carolina can run the football that way again this year, look out. If they, if they can establish the line of scrimmage with their offensive line and run in between the tackles, everything will then open up for the guys on the edge. And as I mentioned, like with the wide receivers, there's talent in this backfield. These guys have the ability to make game-changing plays at the running back position. I just don't know if they're going to have one guy. It may be three or four that you lean on, but I really love the move of bringing in Tyson Chandler. You need experience in that backfield. Ty, Ty
0: Chandler, we we did not bring in the former news no, center. He's Tyson. <laughs> um,
1: love the love the experience. He played in the SEC, so mm-hmm. he knows big time football. He'll know how to get these guys, how to show them how to prepare to lead them in the game day. So. Um, but if I had to pick one, of them, I'd go Josh Anderson.
0: Yeah, I, I think that uh, great point about Ty Chandler, by the way, as well. I, I really like you know playing in the playing the SEC. Not a guy that's going to be afraid to lower the shoulder, play with a little bit of physicality because he had to do that in uh, and, and, and the SEC consistently. Um, you know, I I would say DJ Jones. I think it's really telling that in that Western Carolina game, and again. It's against an FCNS opponent, so take as much as you can away from it. The fact uh, – not even the performance. The fact that he was the first guy they went to, yeah. I think, is, is, is somewhat telling about who the staff – had you know where on the depth chart. Now again, they you know they they weren't going to officially release that the depth chart that we always saw. Of course, had Michael Carter and Javante Williams on it. But uh, I do think that DJ Jones is probably that guy that you look at. Um, I like Caleb uh, Caleb Hood as well. I think you know part of the reason why you have to be somewhat hesitant with them is because he's a guy that played quarterback at the high school level, so he is making a little bit of a transition to running back. But he gets in early. He's going to be able to work with the staff. Um, and I think, you know, to a certain extent, being raw like that can help you sometimes. The biggest concern with him will be in pass protection because he's never had to do that. Usually he's the guy throwing the football, now protecting the guy throwing the football. So um, I think that's actually the, the area you're more concerned with. I think the yards will come because you've got some talented guys. I mean, DJ Jones, he runs with a little bit of an edge, has some speed. You've got Elijah Green, who is really quick on the edges. I think he's a guy that could see some reps if they're looking for that change of pace back that can sort of speed things up, Um, along with the veteran Chandler. And then, I mean, you mentioned you know Josh Henderson still there, uh, a guy that can run with a little bit of an edge as well. And I think the other guy, you know, look, there's a reason he started the Orange Bowl. British Brooks is a guy you can't count out. I know he's a former walk on. Uh, There's a lot of talent in this backfield. I think a lot of people probably will say, "Well, why would you start a former walk on?" British Brooks is a guy that's worked really hard for this team. Um, And and you know, you look at that game in the Orange Bowl. I know, you know, like you said, they weren't as effective as they probably wanted to be, or as they had been earlier in the season. I think he still had a pretty good game. And overall when uh, his first career start, starting against one of the best run defense teams in the entire country in Texas A&M. So I think he still has a chance to factor in there. And then of course, I, one of the guys I really love is Camaro Edmonds whenever he eventually arrives. Of course, he's playing his senior year of high school at Havelock High School here in North Carolina in the spring, so he won't join the team until the fall. Don't know how much he'll be able to get himself entrenched in there, but that's maybe a name to keep an eye on going forward as well but yeah like you said a lot of options back there it's mainly about who can prove themselves as that not only an effective rushing option out of the backfield who can prove themselves as a receiving option and who has the ability to help pass protect because that's the thing that you're going to need the most is that pass protection for an offense that's going to lean on their quarterback heavily um I think, you know, another part of that, uh, really quickly before we move on to the defensive side of the ball, is also the fact that you need your offensive line to step up and play the way that you would expect a unit that is bringing back five starters, that is as veteran as just about anybody in the ACC, honestly, in college football, to do what they need to do to help this rushing attack out open up some holes for these young guys, and protect their quarterback and give them some time to get the ball down the field to some receivers that maybe aren't going to be as polished with their routes as some of the guys that are departing.
1: Yeah, no, we talked all last season, especially after the losses, that's where the growth for this team, really this program, has to come. Is up front on the offensive and the defensive line. You've got a lot of those guys that played for you last year coming back. You bring back Brian Anderson. Um, you got back Jordan Tucker, Joshua Zudu, Sam Richards. I mean, everyone that pretty much played, you feel like it's coming back. First off, you got to stay healthy. Last year, health was a big part of why the offensive line was kind of in flux for most of the year because they weren't healthy at the beginning of the year, and then injuries kind of piled up in the middle of the season. Uh, But with that... You were able to build some depth, and you feel like you've got maybe six, seven, maybe you know eight guys that you can count on. Remember, Mac Brown last year wanted ten, and we started that game against Syracuse. I think with six guys that he felt comfortable with, to, with
0: Joshua Zudu out of the lineup, with, so he was that he in, could count right.
1: on to produce. Right. Um, brought in some offensive line talent uh, in your recruiting class. I think if Carolina can be can have some depth there because injuries are inevitable. Their their guys are going to get hurt playing up there. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you'll feel okay. But if this team is going to take the next step on the and with the offense, you feel like it's going to be just kind of taken until the sixth game, maybe until you're in a rhythm and know who you are, as opposed to last year, you know, game one, your identity um you have a chance to be really good but I like that you bring bringing back a lot of guys that played last year and with the injuries you were able to build some more natural depth that way but you got to get more out of guys you know Sam Richards a guy that got brutalized on this podcast and in my trench reports
0: early in the year Um, for sure you know Marcus
1: McKeithen those guys but you got Jordan Tucker back you got Joshua Zudu back so you feel pretty comfortable with those guys
0: Yeah, and I I think, like you said, you sort of develop that natural depth. I mean, you've got Ed Montillis coming back, who you can sort of rotate between your guard spots. Um, You've got Kieran Johnson that I don't think anybody expected would – he because, outplayed
1: any expectation we ever had of him.
0: I mean, he he was a he's a former walk on that I think we you know knew he was on the roster. We didn't really know what he was, but what he what he honestly became was remember a couple of years ago what Jonathan Troll became a guy that just eventually worked hard enough, got a chance, and really impressed when he was in there at center. Uh, But there's a difference with Kieran Johnson. He can can play anywhere. I mean, he can play all five positions and had success at it, too. So that's a big guy that you've got there. Um, And, you know, they've also, I mean, I, I know people were probably not thrilled with what they saw from him. Remember, he was a true freshman, though. You got Jonathan Adorno, another flexible guy that the staff really liked and was included in that group of seven that Mac Brown thought he could trust heading into that. That game against Syracuse and there's some other guys that will emerge that was the a unit that last year was really hurt by the fact that they didn't have spring practice yeah because you had some young guys down there some unknowns and you didn't get those reps and opportunities in the spring that would have helped them develop this year you do so there will be other guys that emerge I feel like there's a reason to be confident in that unit You go over to the defensive side of the football, and as you mentioned, they're going to be leaned on to try to help this team out early in the year. And for the first time in a a long time, and that's been a mantra, I think, on this podcast for about the last year and a half now, you feel confident that this defense is at a point where they can help you win some games. You've got, I mean, a ton of talent returning. You only lose one starter. You lose Chad Surratt. That's yeah. it. Everybody else is coming back. And I think as the year went along last year, you know, the good news was for the most part, you were able to stay healthy outside of your secondary, which at this point, I is it that's probably just gonna be part of Carolina football. Like it just seems like every year that's that's a unit that gets beat up. You have to have depth there. Guys will eventually have to rotate in. But I think this, the, the big question now is, is this defense ready to take the next step? It's going to be hard to see that in spring practice from a fan's perspective because we're not there. I think that's going to be one of the things that you've got to monitor – when it comes to what Matt Brown is saying in his press conferences and even what some of the players are saying in their press conferences to tell you if this looks like a defense that's ready to take that next step.
1: Yeah. um, You know, when we first got into Carolina football, that was a defensive-minded football team. You had a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball, and you were leaning on them to win you games. And then Larry Fedora came in, and we didn't play defense for what felt like a decade. We're back to feeling like we can play defense at a high level. You mentioned you only lose the one starter in Chas Rat. He didn't play the Orange Bowl game, meaning that everyone that started the Orange Bowl is back in the saddle for your, your team coming into this year. Mm-hmm. And if you go yep. back to that Orange Bowl performance, I know the numbers said so they gave up 41 points and north of 400 yards. That defense did everything in its power to give you a chance to win that ball game. And Carolina actually took the lead in the fourth quarter, so that was a very encouraging sign. Was that in that setting on the national stage, they made plays that they had to that they had to make to give you a chance to beat up a, uh, a, a top tier team mm-hmm. from the SEC. And so I think you can build off of that performance. It starts with. Carolina's ability up front to get really—they got to get—they got to find a way to get to the quarterback. That's been a really big problem with the defensive line is being able to get to the. Even though last year they registered a lot, uh, they registered a lot of sacks, but you were having to send pressure, and pretty much last year we were leaving our guys on an island. The good thing is, is that. You've got, in my opinion, the best corner can- uh, tandem in the ACC. And by the time we get to the end of the season, that'll be a top three, top five college or corner tandem in the country in Storm Duck and Tony Grimes. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, as you mentioned, Carolina injuries in the half that's going to be a part of it. If those if those two dudes stay healthy, this this defense is going to be tough to beat. Well, and, because you can't throw on Bo, you can't throw on those guys. So if you can get to the quarterback and you shore up your run defense, which has gotten better under Jay Bateman, you feel a lot more confident. I think this year we're going to learn a lot about Jay Bateman as a coordinator because it's year three now. These dudes are more ingrained in what you want to do, how you want to play. So if he can go out there and really get the job done, it really speaks volumes of his hire and and what he he means to this football team.
0: Yeah, and I think last year, I mean, you know, I – I asked I asked Lee Pace the question of why we didn't see as much rotation early in the season as we saw late in the season. And he gave the answer that I think most of us would expect. They didn't know a lot about those guys. Yeah. I I think we now they know about these guys. Now the freshmen that are coming in in We've addressed
1: on both podcasts, the football podcast and our basketball podcast, that the offseason it matters, and I think right. we as fans right. have always said that it doesn't really matter. I think we saw with, with the Toros last year on the football side of things, and then we saw with them on the basketball side of things, them not having those normal off-seasons, those camps, those bonding experience where you'd go right. do stuff as a team, right. it matters, and it, it looks like and I yeah, mean, look, people mm-hmm. think it's an excuse, and it's not. Right. It's, it's, it's You it's know, look, win. we don't know what, where we're at with COVID. We feel like we're getting in the right direction with the vaccine now. It feels like they're, these guys are going to have as normal offseason as they can have in a pandemic,
0: yeah. So, yeah, oh yeah. And like so, I you won't go. Like you talk about some of the bonding experiences, some of those things where you you go out and uh, you know maybe maybe go you know go to restaurants, stuff like that. Some of that still won't happen. I think you know, like even when we get back into this next bowl season, I doubt that. If you get, like, if, if you play in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, you probably won't be able to still do, like, the thing where you go to Charlotte Motor Speedway and, and get in, inside the car and you can drive around the track. Some of that stuff may still not be there. But I, I you're, you're right. I think there is going to be some normalcy starting with with spring camp. Yeah. So I, I think that's definitely uh, going to help. And, yeah, th- last year that was, you know, like I was saying with, with Lee Pace, that was what the biggest – Issue was for this team in terms of not being able to get these guys in. Guys that we knew had the talent and fit the system a little bit better than some of the incumbents that were coming back. Now you're going to have a normal offseason to help those guys from a year ago that came in and weren't able to learn the defense probably as well as you would have liked before they stepped on the field. And the true freshman coming in this year. So I think. You're right. This is a really big offseason, and I, I do think that there is, I don't really want to say pressure, because I, I feel like with what we saw from him late last year, there's reasons to be confident that he can get the job done. But you, you are really asking Jay Bateman and, and, and his defensive coaches to be able to try to get this group into a spot where – If you're struggling to put up points in that game against Virginia Tech out of the gate, you're struggling to put up points in a couple of the other games that you're going to face early in the season, you can do enough defensively to give us a shot to win the game.
1: I don't necessarily he enters the season with pressure. I remember after the Wake Forest game which Carolina won on the arm of Sam Howell we kind of threw out there that his job may be in jeopardy.
0: Which was tied to multiple things with Will Muschamp being available everything like that.
1: I think his job would still be in jeopardy just because I don't think Matt Brown Matt Brown knows the window to win with this with, with the program with the guys that are in there right now. It's only getting shorter in terms of his staying as the head coach of the Tar Heels. So if you give up 41 to Virginia again and you give up 53 to Wake Forest again – I don't see a midseason change would happen, but I do think if we go through those same issues again where this defense doesn't take the step in the right direction, there would be a change there because Mac Brown's not here to mess around. I don't see that happening though, because you've got an abundance of talent and you, you've got you've got depth there that you haven't had while this staff's been there. For and sure. really since Butch Davis was here. The amount of talent that you can bring off the bench and still – the biggest issue last year was they thought if they brought freshmen in, there would be a drop-off in production. And it proved to be actually reversible, where well, early you got more season.
0: production from those younger guys. Right. Early in the season, it probably would have been right. Because you would have had some guys that, to be honest, if you would have thrown some of those freshmen out there against Syracuse, some of them would have had no idea what they were doing. like I always
1: say, man, if it has game, it travels. It can travel from the
0: bench to the field. I mean, I just you got to know the system that you're in. Mainly, some of the guys up front on the defensive line may have been pushed around a little bit and would have set a bad precedent. That that is probably the best way to look at it. But you're right. As the season went along, um, I think you know in the secondary, you saw some depth start to develop there. Um, now, there's an interesting thing that we're going to have to talk about when we talk about the position battles here in just a couple of seconds back there. Um, but mainly a corner. I mean, you're talking. You you were talking about. You know the combination of Tony Grimes and Storm Duck on the outside. Remember that you're going to probably have a guy in Kyler McMichael that started it just about every game for you a year ago. I think he missed one game off the top of my head. Uh, I don't have the 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 stats in front of me Uh, due to injury. Um, He's coming back as well. That's going to be. Your number three corner for some for for a lot of teams. He's their number College one. Simple. He could be their number one. Yeah, he's, I mean that's the type of depth that you've developed there. Um, you know, at linebacker, you're now starting to see some depth build there for the first time in who knows how long. Remember under Larry Fedora, if you had to take Jeff Schottmer out of the game, you were in trouble. Now you're talking about a scenario where coming into this year, after a phenomenal bowl performance. Eugene Asante, he's not really guaranteed a starting job. Now, I think somebody would have to come out and just blow the staff away in terms of what they do, but there's a guy in Reneria Dilworth who is a true freshman that fits what Jay Bateman is wanting in his linebackers a little bit better, and there's a guy that started as a freshman in high school and has impressed for years, regarded as one of the best linebackers to ever play in the state of North Carolina at the high school level, and Power Eccles that's coming in as well. So, I mean, that's the thing is there's so much depth there. And then on the defensive line, like you talked about, you've got, you know, and I think that was the more frustrating thing was maybe you should have worked these guys in a little bit earlier to try to help save some of those guys, you know, the guys that started for you as the season went along. Tamari Fox – and Ray Vlasic, they were worn down yeah. midway through the season because they had to play as much as they did. But you got to see some guys sort of break out a little bit, but kind of kind of burst onto the surface. I wouldn't say break out. This would be the year they break out. Um, outside of, I will say this, I think you could characterize – what came in Rucker did is breakout. That was, I mean, nobody saw that coming. But you had him, you had Miles Murphy, who people expected would be able to do something for you. He came in, he did. You had Clyde Pinder as well. And then on the edges, you had guys like Desmond Evans. You had a guy in Chris Collins that took a year off to sort of get his body right for what they needed in the system. Those guys started to see more reps as the season went along, and it really worked out for them. Um you know, I like what you said about getting the consistent pressure. I think one of the other things is they gotta be able to help in, in in run defense as well. You need your guys, mainly your edge guys, have to be able to help you in run defense. We saw that so many times last year where Tamon Fox, Tyron Hopper would get washed out of by, by offensive lines on the edges. And you would have teams that were able to have success running there. I think that's the area where you need some of these guys to be able to step up. But I think you're going to have so many options this year that you can rotate in there that if a guy is struggling, you can ro- rotate in another guy and the talent is not going to drop off. And that's the first time in a while that you've been able to say that. So you look at you know some of the other uh, you know big storylines on that defensive side of the ball. Return, a lot of guys from injury. You mentioned Storm Duck. That's huge. To bring him back, um, you probably got two of the best man cover corners in college football that are coming back this year. Uh, and I think another one that's really big that a lot of people may kind of forget a little bit because it's been, it, it's, it's been about a year since we've heard the name and you saw some of the other guys break out. Remember that Kedrick Bingley-Jones is coming back this year. He was a guy that the staff was all over. Yeah. Last winter, when he was going through the workouts, everything like that, they thought he was going to probably be, out of the gate, one of the main true freshmen that we're going to see playing time. Unfortunately, suffers a lower leg injury misses the entire season. Now he's coming back on the interior of that defensive line. And I'm going to tell you, I remember when I watched him in high school and then he, when they were saying he added a little bit of weight, he fits exactly what Carolina wants on the interior of their defensive line. So, I mean, this unit is just – I mean, there's so many guys here that you would think – this unit is going to be able to have success. I mean, this will be mentioned again as we go later on in the year, but I think it's good to throw this out here. What do you think would be considered a successful year for this defense? What does what that sort of culminate in for you?
1: I've always said since Matt Brown and the staff got here and Sam Howell turned out to be as good as he is, And in our opinion, he's the best quarterback that will be in college football next season. If this defense can consistently hold teams to 24 points or less, that's good. You think if – 24, I think, is their magic number. They gave up last year about 27. So and then you were now. Granted, you went to the Orange Bowl, which you were baiting for. This year, we're looking to get to 10, 10 wins in the regular season. You can hold teams to let's say 125 yards or less running the football. Maybe 150 is probably more reasonable. Um, 125 might be might be a little greedy, but 150 or less running the football and 24 points, I feel like this team can win a lot of games in the ACC.
0: I agree with you. I agree with you. I think that's a pretty good range right there. Um, I think if you want to get into the college football. Football playoff discussion. You probably like got to twenty or less. I, I, in terms I don't of know. Points. I don't know about twenty. I, would I say don't think twenty this team, to twenty-two is about the sweet spot. Where I don't you think can this team will outscore teams like it did last year. I don't think they'll have
1: the ability to where, like in that Wake Forest game where you got down twenty-one points, you still felt like okay, we can go put the points up to win the game. I don't see this offense having that kind of production. Maybe not this season
0: early. I feel like later in the year, possibly. But as we've mentioned, the schedule this year out of the gate. Is much more difficult than the schedule they had out of the gate last year in terms of the one that they actually played, not the one that they were supposed to play. Um, But uh, you you also look, a lot of true freshmen that are coming in. I thought we'd just touch on this really quickly. You mentioned some of the guys. uh, Caleb Hood is a guy that we really think could come in, make an impact there. A couple of guys at wide receiver, you got Gavin Blackwell in the slot, has a reputation with Sam Howe, played with him in high school. So he's going to, I mean, there's already a natural connection there that you could potentially be able to build on. Um, Kobe Paceauer coming in there on the offensive line you talked about. Uh, They do bring in some young guys down there. Diego Pounds coming in, a guy that – That's a great
1: name for offensive linemen, by the way. It
0: it really is. It really is. And he's a guy that just from watching him on film, he reminds me flexibility-wise of somebody that could end up being what Joshua Azudu is for you, a guy that can play both guard and tackle. Uh, it is going to take them, of course, a little bit of time to get you know used to everything at the college level. Um, that's the biggest thing when it comes to those offensive and defensive linemen. It does take time to get used to it. Defensive side of the ball, uh, look, Keyshawn Silver, five-star coming in up front. That's huge. That's a guy that I think is definitely worth keeping an eye on. Same thing with Javari Ritzy, Ra-Ra uh, Dilworth, as well as Power Echols. Uh, and then you've got some guys in that secondary as well that are going to be coming in. DeAndre Boykins Dante Nash. There's a lot of guys to be excited about, and it feels like this year those guys may be able to help you out a little bit earlier than they were a year ago because you get spring camp back. Last thing that I want to talk about before we move on to the position battles that we're going to focus on uh, and, and spend a little bit of time on that. One of the other things that I find really interesting heading into this camp it's based on a quote the other day. So 24-7 sports, um, or no, excuse me, it was rivals. It was rivals that put this out um or no 20 you no know, it is 24/7 sports I don't know they I get mixed up all the, all the stuff that those that they do the national guys over at both of these uh, companies they put out an article at 24/7 sports the other day that said uh, they, they looked at the top teams in the country top 10 teams uh, in their 24/7 sports top um, top 25. And they were looking at what teams could possibly look to add in the transfer portal when it comes to, you know, probably later on after spring camp during the summer months, if they want to take another step forward, make their team a little bit better. There was a quote in there from Ross Martin of Inside Carolina, where he said that the team did explore transfer options at both edge rusher and center which I thought was interesting. I think the edge rusher, we kind of expected. That was one that was rumored coming into the year. With the fact that you had Taman Fox, Tyrone Hopper coming back, you you, you wondered if maybe they backed off a little bit on that, not knowing originally if those guys were going to be back. That one makes sense. The center position, that caught me a little off guard because Brian Anderson, I know he's had his moments, he's had his ups and downs, but... He's still a guy that's been a part of this unit for two years now. And you feel like you've got some guys behind him that have been pretty solid depth-wise, including Kieran Johnson and then the young guy in a Jonathan Adornell. So I think that's one of those things where now, because of that quote, that those are two positions worth keeping an eye on to see how they perform in case they have to potentially add some.
1: Of I think when you look at the the center position, Brian Anderson has done... A quality job at, at, as the Carolina center after he took over when Nick Polino got hurt back in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yep. The problem with Brian Anderson, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful manner, he's limited in terms of what he does. Can he get Carolina right. so, uh, set up? Yes, and he does a very good job getting them set making all the calls at the line of scrimmage, which is really really important. But he's not a game-changing center. What I mean by that is that he doesn't have the ability to, let's say, if they double-team and they get to the next level. And that's what Carolina maybe is looking for there. When you have that kind of guard or that kind of play from your center, and I mean, like, look, we don't break down Alabama and Clemson and those kind of teams' film, but if you went back to look at their big uglies, their big uglies can do a lot of different things. So I think that's maybe what, what they're trying to get to, is to get a guy that can not only get your offensive line set make all the calls at the line of scrimmage that you need to call, but then when you have to go do stuff, I guess, more advanced on the field, have the ability to do so.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it could also be a move where you're just trying to establish a little bit of depth, maybe looking forward to the future. Um, but that, to me, that was what it felt like that was kind of saying. Edge rusher, that may be a little more a, a little more of a depth concern. Maybe trying to find a guy that you can pair with Taman Fox. Um But I feel like that, you know, at center, you're probably looking at a, a potentially a starter there uh, if you don't feel comfortable with the guys that you have down there. Um, so we'll talk really quick about some of the position battles to watch. Uh, I think that the most obvious is running back. Uh, I think that's the one most people are going to be keeping an eye on. Who can emerge there to try to help you? Because as you mentioned, that when Carolina's offense was at a, at its best last year was when it was running the football. This offense is designed to
1: be a run-first offense. And I know a lot of people don't believe that. But I think there's, there's proof in the pudding that this offense is at its oh, best okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's when it's oh. running the football first.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Um, and I think it's, you know, look, again, I, I think that when you look at that position like we talked about earlier, I think there is talent there. I don't think it's a, a lack of talent that's the concern. It's the lack of experience. Yep. Um, so we'll, we'll see throughout the, the offseason. I mean, and again, you know, like I said earlier, there are, there are five or six legitimate guys that are battling there. Like this is a legitimate battle where – there are a lot of candidates here. This isn't, oh, you've got one or two guys battling you know, behind a starter. No, this is a legitimate battle between a group that is really close together and just about anybody can emerge from that group and end up helping you in the backfield next year. One area that I did want to talk about here is safety. Now, this is the big question here. Are you as concerned about the safety position as I am? Because I was really concerned at the end of last year mainly about the play of Trey Morrison and Don Chapman back there as the season progressed. Don Chapman was the one that scared me the most because he sort of disappeared as the year went along. He was a guy that early in the season helped a lot in run defense, wasn't great in coverage but was better than he was at the end of the season. Towards the end of the year, he was being picked on in coverage and he was not helping you at all in run defense. So are you concerned like I am about that safety position and do you think it could be a battle as we go here into spring? Yeah,
1: I think so because I think Carolina needs to have the ability to have someone in the second at the safety to make game-changing plays. And I think you see it a lot at the NFL level where the best defenses have a safety that can change the game with their ability to either make plays in the box or make plays in the passing game. And you see the same thing at the college level where those teams that have game-changing play players at the safety spot, those defenses are more championship-caliber defenses. Mm-hmm. And John Don Chapman appeared to be a guy that regressed from his freshman year to his sophomore year. And it was coming from a guy that as a freshman, I raved about him after he started against uh, Georgia Tech, wanted to see more of them, and he finished a season on a positive note, and we were really confident about him heading into last season. And then last year, for whatever reason, his level of play seemed to dip from his freshman year. And for Trey Morrison, um, he's had a good start to the season. You remember that game against Boston College. I don't know if Carolina wins that game without Trey Morrison on the field, but after no, that, sure. no after one. that, we if we said Trey Morrison's name, it was usually in a negative connotation where he was – getting picked on, wasn't making plays in either the run or the passing game. So I think Carolina's got to shore that part of their defense for sure.
0: Well, I think the best thing that could happen for them is you get to a point where maybe DeAndre Boykins emerges – Maybe somebody else in that slot corner role emerges, and you can move Jaquarius Conley back to safety. Yeah. I feel like that's the point you want to get to, but you just don't know if you're going to be there. And who knows? There's, you know, I mean, you talk about the guys back there. Cameron Kelly had moments where he played well. He had moments where he struggled at times. His that's,
1: struggles out, out, outweighed his his good moments. It felt like it felt like he struggled it, in the big moments where he, where he was in, in position season, to make a play, he didn't make it.
0: Early in the season for sure. Later in the season you saw some progression from him. That I think should have some people encouraged. Then there's guys back there like Giovanni Biggers. We haven't seen him a whole lot, but when we've seen him, he's made plays on the football. He's made things happen, so that could be a guy you could take a look at there. And then, of course, you are bringing in a true freshman in Dontavious Nash. Remember, this guy's been committed to Carolina the longest out of any of the guys that are coming in and enrolling in this class. He's been there for a reason, so he's a guy that feels like he fits what they want to do, so he's worth keeping an eye on back there as well. But I I do think that's one of the spots where not a lot of people are talking about. That's one of those areas where this is is showing you how far this group has come. In previous years, you would not have any position battle here. You would say, look, this is the guys that we have. We just have to live with them. Now you've got the talent that these guys coming in, this is more of a reflection on the fact that There may be guys that just outplay you and end up taking over these spots. You'll still play big roles for us, but we're hoping that we can get to a point where there's just somebody that that fits our defense a little bit better and can take over for you if we need them to. I also put, you know, edge rusher on here. I think you've got one of your guys in Timon Timon Fox. He's not coming off the field, especially after what we saw from him last year. He's a guy that this year you're hoping as the season goes along, you can find those linebackers that can cover sideline to sideline that can basically allow Timon Fox to eventually become a strict pass rusher. That's that's what his goal is. Uh, He hasn't been able to do that the last couple of years. But as we saw last year, um, you know, again, we're still asking for a little more consistency. As the year went along, though, he started becoming that consistent presence. I think it's on the other side. Tyrone Hopper coming back. Look, Tyrone Hopper is a guy that has worked really hard. He's been through three different defensive schemes. This is a guy that easily could have left and transferred and we would have been like, "Well, it's understandable because he's been through a lot on in his time on campus." He's still there. He is going to come back next year. It's great. It's big to have that experience there and he has done things at times that can help you in, you know, run defense at times. And he's been able to get after the quarterback for you from time to time as well. But I feel like that's an area where you just need a more consistent presence so there, I feel like there is going to be a battle there. I think Dez Evans is probably the guy that everybody's looking at and really hoping steps up, a guy that was a former high-end four-star recruit. But there's also a guy there in Chris Collins that could end up stepping up. And there's a couple other names that I think could emerge there as the season goes along as well.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're, you're wanting that guy to be Dez Evans. But I think, and look, I may be wrong about this, I think if you wanna have either him or Timone Fox be a pure pass rusher, I'd rather that guy be Des Evans as a as opposed to Fox. Just because Evans is a little bit nimble, he's not as he's not as bulky. I feel like he'd get pushed around more and you know, in the middle of the field or something like that, where Timone Fox, ever since he's it's gotten to campus, point, yeah. has had to do a whole lot more as opposed to just being a pass rusher. You saw Des Evans flash in that Wake Forest game, but that was about it. As a as a young guy, you expect you know consistently uh, consistent issues, and you got that with them. There's talent there, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's not him, as you mentioned, Chris Collins, he spent a whole year getting his body where he felt like it needed to be to play for Jay Bateman. Um, so I think there's going to be options there you know with Hopper as you mentioned guy that's worked his tail off to done a lot for he's been asked of with three defensive uh, coaches you know he's just, you know he's gonna play hard you know he's going to give you his best effort but I think if this defense is going to take the next step des Evans will be the other guy uh, opposite Mon Fox rushing the quarterback
0: one thing that's interesting about des Evans is you said he's got the slim the 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 smaller frame and that is true uh, but he is up to 265. So he has put on some weight this offseason. Now yep. again, it's six, he's he's six five and, and three quarters, as opposed to Timone Fox, who's six three and a quarter. So he's so Tamone Fox he's is going old. to be bulkier yep. than Dez Evans is. But still, um, I think that that's a position. And as we talked about just a minute ago. You know, looking at the roster, I don't really know if there is another guy there unless you're just going to say that maybe Keyshawn Silver is that athletic that you're willing to put him there. But I think Keyshawn Silver may have a little more bulk there than you, you, you may want from one of your edge rushers. So I'm not sure. That's why they may be looking to add another guy there if yeah. they don't feel confident with what they've got at the position. Last one that we'll talk about before we get ready to get out of here is backup quarterback. And I want to talk about this because I do think that there is a there is a mindset amongst a lot of people that – This will be important not only for this year, but for the future of the position going forward for a couple of reasons. The obvious one is this sets the precedent for who's probably going to be the leader to take over for Sam Howell if he leaves after this season, which we 100% expect at this point. He is rated as the top quarterback in the 2022 draft as of right now. Barring something stunning, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. So you're going to have Drake May the true freshman that everybody is extremely excited about going up against the guy that comes in as the backup quarterback from a year ago, one that's won that job over Jace Reuter just before the season started in Jacoby Criswell. I know Criswell did not look great in the limited reps that we saw from him, but I'm a guy I, I'm not going to crucify him with what we saw in those games. I mean, you're playing against Western Carolina. Um, it's, you know, again, first moments out there. I, I know it's, you know, people will say, well, what happens if he had been thrown into the starting lineup, something like that? Well, look, he wasn't. That was a great, That that's the area you want those mistakes to happen, or in a blowout game against Western Carolina, in, you know, a blowout game against Miami. You don't want to put him in a situation where you need him to be great right out of the gate for you. So I think that a lot of people are coming in with the mindset that there is no chance that he beats out Drake May, but I think this will be a lot a, a lot more of a competition than people realize. Remember when he committed to Carolina, he, he was deemed to be
1: the perfect fit for this offense. Mm-hmm. The way yep. this offense yep. wants to run, wants to play, Jacoby Criswell fits that, not Sam Howell, and now not with Drake May. There's going to be a legitimate competition there, mm-hmm. but... I do think you have, you've got to have that number two guy when you open up the season. That way, if something, God forbid, were to happen to Sam Howell, you're not having to then try to play those two out to figure out who your backup quarterback is going to be. Um, if I had to guess right now, Oddly, in Criswell, because as you mentioned, he has experience in the system, yep. and I just, I, you know, I don't, you don't get compared to the guys he got compared to when he committed lightly. If you can't play the quarterback position.
0: At a high level, I
1: compared to Vince Young yeah. from watching. The um, you know, and I, I made the comment last year where I felt like Carolina maybe had the best quarterback room in college football. They still very well may have the best quarterback room in the country in terms of talent that will be meeting in those quarterback wow. meeting rooms this season. That so, you know, but it that that is important and that is a battle that we need to watch and monitor very closely.
0: Well, the other concern, and again. You know, I, I don't. I'm not thrilled to bring this up on here, but I do want to get your opinion on this. Is there are people that do believe that if Criswell loses the job, He'll transfer. he will transfer? Do you think that's a legitimate problem or, or concern?
1: I, I mean, I think so because that's that's the way college football works. Um, because if he loses to Drake May this year, what's there to say that he would beat Drake May if he came back next year? Then you're looking at, you've already used three years of eligibility. You haven't been a starting quarterback at the college football level. Um, The chances of you going pro at that point are very slim to none. So it would be understandable. Um, and that's just that's just the way college football works now. I mean, like what Jay Schroeder did was pretty rare—a guy that stuck around that long without ever being the starting quarterback.
0: So here's here's something. Four years of eligibility left to go still play for North Texas. Do you think that if the 2015 team is here in 2021, do you think that Mitch Trubisky sticks around and 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 stays and plays out his time and eventually becomes the starter and does what he does? I think that was
1: different because you knew Marquise Williams was a senior and couldn't come back for another year. I know Okay, well, I know I, Sam Howell, you know, could come right. back. Sam Howell's not coming back next year. Yeah, yeah. But I I, I, I you know um, and I also think what Mitch Trubisky did was, at the time, somewhat rare, too, because he waited a good little bit to become the starting right. quarterback. But in his defense, he did get playing time in his freshman in season. 14.
0: Yeah. He got into fourteen, played in the game against Liberty, a couple of games early in the year. I mean, year, Carolina before. had a legitimate
1: – there was a rotation going there. Right. It just, right. it, it just won out that Marquise Williams turned out to be the better quarterback at that time for the – For target. the
0: offense. Yes. So – Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think you're right, but I think that's that's something that people are concerned about, and I do think that there's a legitimate reason to, to be concerned. But at the same time, I'm not saying that that's going to happen. I'm not saying – we we don't we don't know anything about, you know, we haven't talked to Criswell, anything like that. We don't talk to the players, whatever. We're we're a podcast. We're not. We're doing this from two and a half hours away from Chapel Hill. But uh, I do think that it's something that is that is worth talking about. So uh, that is your look at spring camp. Again, starts on Tuesday. Uh, Finishes up April 24th, 3 p.m. If you can't make the game, it'll be on ACC Network. There are expected to be fans inside uh, of uh, Keenan Stadium for the game. Uh, So a lot of intrigue going into this season. There's a lot of great stuff that we're going to be having for you on the website, HeelTopBlog.com. There's some great stuff already up there uh, right now that you guys can check out on uh, spring camp. Some uh, great stuff. stories that we're going to be putting up uh, throughout spring camp. Uh, we'll be keeping you up to date on everything that's going on as well. Uh, and then, of course, uh, after that, we'll get back into the offseason. Um, but we'll we'll have you covered throughout the summer where you'll start getting into the talking season. As I mentioned here on the podcast, we're going to have some of those talking heads on. We're still going to be having you covered throughout the offseason, especially when it comes to recruiting. Uh, with, with everything on that front as well here on the podcast and on the website. Uh, of course, we have you covered on Website during Tario basketball season. Uh, they run through the ACC tournament uh, into the NCAA tournament, where, of course, they lost in the first round. If you guys want to go check that out, uh, you can. But the main thing is, we got some offseason stuff that's coming up for you. We got some stuff where uh, Josh is going to shut down the 2021 season for you. Uh, and then, uh, you know, he'll turn his focus uh, towards next year as well and keep you up to date on the recruiting trail baseball, uh, Carolina's baseball team under new head coach Scott Forbes, off to a solid start to the year. It's still kind of a, a little tricky to get a read on exactly what type of team they are because they've had some really big wins. Uh, they ended up winning two out of three from a ranked Virginia team. They swept a team in Clemson that a lot of people thought could be pretty good. But they got swept in two midweek games by a Liberty team that was uh, just slightly over 500. So it's hard to figure out exactly where this team is. But we're going to have you covered with week-to-week updates on Carolina baseball. We do our weekly recaps uh, where we recap the games for you, and we also give you the weekend takeaways for Tar Heel Baseball. So make sure that you're keeping an eye on that. HeelToughBlog.com when it comes to the podcasting side of things. There's two ways that you can uh, get your podcast fix. Uh, Here, of course, you can listen to it audio style, uh, wherever you listen to uh, your podcast, whether it's on Spreaker, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts. Uh, Spotify, any of those, you can find the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Make sure you rate and review and subscribe for us. That really helps us out. The rating and reviewing uh, sort of helps us move up some of those uh, those rankings when it comes to people being able to find the Heel Tough Blog Podcast that haven't before. It also, of course, helps us because you're giving us a little bit of constructive criticism, and we greatly appreciate that. And then the subscribing is for you so that you don't miss an addition of the podcast. Again, we're going to have a lot of those national talking heads on. We're going to try to get some former Tar Heels on once again, like we did last offseason. It'll be a a little – probably less often this offseason because uh it, it's a little different last offseason you got to remember that we were in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic a lot of sitting around at home everything like that so that was the reason we were able to get a lot of people on this year might be a little bit different but we're still going to try to get those people on and then of course you can also watch the podcast we're not doing them through video right now but when the Uh, time rolls around where we start to get uh, into the preseason and start to preview the season as well as of course once we get into the season we will be going back to the video versions of the podcast for now you can still go on there watch the podcast that way. It is a waveform that just sits on the screen there so you can go ahead and pull that up. Even if you want to walk away from your computer, walk away from your phone, the video will play in the background uh, for you as well Uh, and that is on the Facebook page. That's also a really great way to be able to find all the articles and the podcast all in one spot. So make sure you check that out Heel Tough Blog on Facebook. Give us a like and follow there. We greatly appreciate it. So that does it for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Once again, want to thank Josh for hosting With me. Want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels!